Every year I know we gonna go hard. We been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll even wish you good luck. Only thing I will What up? Welcome to Lombardi's Legends Podcast. Dane here with Wags as always. And you know, it's it's a bit of a somber, uh, bittersweet. A podcast year it's it's it was a great year wags it's always tough to uh you know have a podcast after a loss but you know with some reflection um what an awesome season it was just so much fun and i think um just it's good to be on it's good to be on with you buddy and it, just in classic packers fashion so much business has already taken off in the last few days it feels like it's been two months since the game um, but how are you doing tonight, buddy? And and I'm just looking forward to talk Packer football with you. I'm doing good, man. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, just the way that that last game went, uh, we were like any other Packer fan. Uh, it was house money. I think most realistic Packer fans <laughs> understood that we went uh, quite a bit further than any of us were expecting. And, and kudos to the team and the coaching staff for making that happen. But the way it went down, it was, I, I'm not going to say disappointing, uh, but I was just more sad that I don't get to continue to watch this team. This is as fun of a season I've had. It was a roller coaster at times, but I think not having super high expectations going in also tempered some of the frustrations that normally you would have if you're two and five or three and six, or uh, when we got back to 500, losing a couple straight games uh, in somewhat frustrating fashion. But Dane, honestly, this was such a fun season. And so with the way that game went down, um, surely you feel like that was a game the Packers could have, should have won uh, against the 49ers. And uh, so I'm just more sad that I don't get to continue to watch them play football because you just never know. Uh, you're the hot team going into the playoffs. Uh, you have an opportunity to go on the road and uh, after a, a dominating win, knocking off the number two seed, uh, go in and potentially put away the number one seed in back-to-back weeks. Everything's open at that point. And uh, so crazier things have happened, but it, it uh, certainly uh, will chalk it up to a, a really nice overall season and uh, got to look look forward to what that's going to mean for the future for this young team as we move forward. So Dean, um, do you have any other just general thoughts on the game? I don't think we need to break it down too much. Uh, there's not another game to look forward to. The roster is going to change. Um, so it's not like uh, adjustments or details that we normally go into are, are going to come back into the fold here next week. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you if you had, uh, a few thoughts on on the last game here against the 49ers as well. Well, most of the fourth quarter, I was um, like pacing between my living room and my kitchen because I couldn't bear to watch, uh, especially those last couple drives. I'm not going to lie. Um, no, I mean, we saw some good. We saw some bad from the team. They battled for, for a lot of it. They had the, I would, I think the best team in the NFC on the ropes for the entire game and they just couldn't finish. And, You know, I share in the disappointment and the sadness that the season's over, but what I'm telling myself, and maybe the silver lining of a lot of this, Wags, is I do believe that teams can get hot, and we've seen it. 
Um, but very rarely do teams of this youth and inexperience at the NFL level do what the Packers just did. It just doesn't happen very often. So I think the silver lining that I'm looking at from that game was that they kept it close um, and and really should have won the game, I think. Um, but but more than that is they got so much uh, invaluable experience uh, out of not only getting a, getting into the playoffs and just feeling that playoff atmosphere, but this is a team that, yes, there's going to be some, some changeover, but the core is very, very largely going to remain going into 2024. And this is a team that is now one on the road in a hostile environment in a playoff game. And this is a team that lost to a close game uh, against a team with future Hall of Famers on it and with a ton of veterans on it and guys that have done it season in and season out. And, you know, maybe this is the, the learning experience, right? We talked about is like, oh, how valuable is it to get these young guys in the playoffs this year? And, and yeah, it's, it's heart-wrenching that we weren't able to, to, to finish um, because I really wanted them to finish. So I wanted them to be playing on, on Sunday. But, but Wags, I mean, talk about an experience. Maybe this is we, we see what happened this last uh, last week, and maybe that next season the Packers can carry something a little extra into into the playoffs, and and you know in those close games they can go out and win a game, right? Uh, so that you know who knows every year is different, but that's my silver lining. But from the nuts and bolts of the game itself, there's some really good things. There's some really tough teams, and the 49ers are a hell of a football team. So yeah, know, it's a, it's a combination of things. I think. Yeah, and in some ways. Um... Part of me gets a little bit like we've seen some of that same story of what this game was unfold in, in so many past Packers postseason games. Um, it, it reminded me a lot, honestly, of, of in different ways of, of, uh, a combination of, of 2014 and 2007. Um, and that, um, we were just getting field goals. They're not converting in the red zone the whole first half. Thinking of 2014 NFC Championship game against the Seahawks. Um, and that came back to bite them at the end of the game. And then certainly in, um, the end, it was, uh, there was elements, there was weather. And uh, I think Jordan Love played a really good football game. Unfortunately, uh, not the best fourth quarter. Um, and, uh, he's going to learn from that, but, uh, the interception at the end just, uh, so many Packer fans were just, oh, that was a far, kind of a, a Brett Favre type throw. It was good all game and just uh, kind of inexplicably tried to force it a little bit on that last throw. Um, so there was, there was a little bit of PTSD as Packer fans. You always kind of, uh, make those analogies and listen, you can't take for granted that just because they're a young team that we're definitely going to have a, a window of, five to eight years we hope we do uh, of opportunity to contend for a super bowl but we just went through a what a 10 11 year stretch with aaron Rodgers of never getting to the super bowl and we thought we would so um you can't take for granted if you're the hot team in the playoffs young or not those opportunities are not always going to be there. So from that perspective, even though I'm speaking uh, realistically that I did not expect Packers to go to or win a Super Bowl this year, I don't think really very many Packer fans are being honest if they say they did. Um, when it came into this last week, I thought they had as good a shot of anyone. So that's the only thing I think that is the other uh, thing that's slightly disappointing. That said, I'm very optimistic. This feels like the beginning of something and not the, definitely not the end of something, Dane. Um, so I think yeah. let's just uh, flip 
uh, the script a, a little bit in our uh, discussion of this and look forward. And uh, I think that's a perfect segue into some of the changes that happened at 1265 uh, Lombardi Avenue this week. And really quite stunning how quickly it happened and all the moves that happened sequentially. So, Dane, um, let's just start with the big one. The big one, defense coordinator Joe Barry out. And I thought that there was a chance he might come back. I I did not think that it would be a decision that was made as quickly as it was, even if he was let go. So, Dane, what was your reaction? And just overall, um, I, I don't want to get into the who the next defensive coordinator is going to be, speculation is going to be in this conversation, but just let's just focusing on the decision that was made and how quickly it was made. Uh, were you surprised, not by the fact that Barry was dismissed, but more so just how that all went down? Extremely, extremely uh, surprised by the speed uh, at, at which it happened. And Wags, and we'll touch on the other two big ticket items that happened. Um, but with the coordinator, because that is the big dog, as you said, um, it's a huge criticism of this Packers team, I think, uh, by fan base. I think us at times, and certainly the, the wider fan base, has been that the Packers um, have an unwillingness to change, right, or, or change um, quickly uh, on, on things. And they kind of get set in their ways. Um, that is 100 uh, percent got flipped on its head with the Joe Barry uh, decision. And I was really encouraged by it. And and I, let me just preface this that nobody wants to see dudes lose their jobs. OK. And he and Joe Barry seems like a really good guy. Um, but but from a, a professional standpoint, and this is a results based business. I truly felt it was time for the Packers to, to move on. And what the Packers, I think, were able to accomplish, and I want to hear your thoughts on this from a timing perspective too, because it's a good question. What they're able to accomplish by not dragging this out is they are in the mix for all the coaches right now. And I just think that the longer that the Packers could have dragged this out and, and sometimes have, I feel like, in different decisions over the years – uh, you, you start to lose options, right? Because other teams um, that are in more flux than the Packers are, you know, looking to, to add guys and, and they just kind of have an upper hand. Right now, Packers make make it very clear across the National Football League and, and college football, for that matter, that the defense coordinator position is wide open. And, you know, they're coming off of a game where – yeah, you can look at you can look at the defense. You also have to look at the offense of the Packers, and this is the team that's on the the uh, they're ascending. So I think it's a very very um, um, good job for for coaches to be looking at right new right now as well. There's going to be a lot of pressure for whoever comes in, but that's that's the National Football League, baby. Like it's there's pressure everywhere you go. Um, so Wags, I I was surprised by the timing. Slightly surprised by the decision. I was almost reserved to the fact that Joe Barry is going to um, save his job over those last few weeks, um, but really, really pleased by the timing because I think you got to think right now the Packers are exploring every single option uh, made available to them, and it is an appealing job for, for coaches across the league. Um, so what what's your take on the timing? Do you think that there's any significance to the timing or just the Packers knew they needed to make a move um, and they just, why not do it sooner rather than later? I think the writing was on the wall. Uh, honestly, uh, Coach LaFleur was clearly frustrated for a, a good chunk of second half of the season with with how the defense was, was schemed and how, the game plans that were out there. He 
I don't know to what extent, but he had to himself get more involved and hands-on um, down the stretch with the defense. And, and listen, I, I'm not saying he shouldn't do that to a certain extent as a head coach uh, anyway, but at the same time, uh, he's kind of operated, and it'll be interesting if there's any changes in, in, in his MO with this, but he's kind of operated as I run the offense and – uh, my my D coordinator and the defensive staff is is going to be in charge of that side of football, and you know there's some merits to that. That does make a defensive coordinator position in Green Bay attractive. Um, you, for the all the for all the other reasons you said as well. Um, I think t- from a timing perspective, and when you look at a team, a young team that's on the rise, and the amount of defensive talent that the Packers have, and they're not going to have a ton of cap space, but there's ways to do that, and I think improve this defense, particularly in the secondary on the margins uh, in this offseason, both through the draft and uh, through free agency, um, because they do need to improve some of the talent and the personnel on the defensive side of the ball as well. I know we've got a lot of first round picks on defense, but fact of the matter is, is that uh, there is some opportunity to improve the talent on the defensive side as well. Um, uh, for, and, and frankly, for the way that uh, coach LaFleur and, and uh, the Packers organization handled uh, coach Barry, uh, there was a lot of folks calling for his blood before the end of the season. And I think Packers, you know, we were calling for Coach Barry to be fired too. I, I'm not going to absolve myself of that. But at the end of the day, I think they went about things the right way. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's just a professionally a well-run organization uh, mm-hmm. by waiting until the season was over and then they make their move. Uh, but uh, yeah, I was I was going to be surprised if they didn't make a, a decision in that direction. The only thing that gave me pause was how effusive uh, Coach LaFleur was in his praise for what Coach Barry has done over the last month. Um, so, I, 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 But that said, when you look at the season as a whole and, and really the last three seasons of Coach Barry's tenure, I think it's, it's clear that uh, a, a change was going to be made here in Green Bay. Now the question is, with the stability and a team on the rise, is this a job opening at the defensive coordinator level that's more attractive than it was three years ago? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, a lot of the headlines were Jim, Jimmy Leonard was the defensive coordinator of the Badger, Wisconsin Badgers at that time, was the main person offered the job. And by all counts, Joe Barry was their, their second choice. Looking back, and this is not a knock, uh, on Jimmy Leonard, if they think he's the best candidate this time around, he has an opportunity to interview. Great. I want the best candidate for the Green Bay Packers. I don't care about the guy that has Wisconsin ties as from, you know, Wisconsin, none of that stuff. You have to wonder was cause, cause Joe Barry, we said at the time, based on his resume, that was your second choice. Did they not, maybe they just did not have the strongest candidate pool last time around. And so I, I'm really hoping based on the timing that they end up with a much stronger candidate pool this time. I think we'll get a better idea of who's getting some of those interviews in the coming uh, uh, weeks ahead. Uh, and uh, that the Packers are much more well positioned and coach LaFleur 
for that matter, is seen as someone that's a coach that has a lot of stability mm-hmm. and is a, a really high quality head coach in the league. I think uh, probably it would be fair to say that he was a little bit of an unknown uh, in coaching circles. Um, and maybe folks thought, well, once Aaron Rodgers is out of there, what's that situation going to be? Well, now I think they're looking at it and saying that could be a long term job destination uh, with a really quality franchise that could even be a stepping stone for someone that's looking to, to, to come in, make their mark, have a really good defense and uh, maybe make their next opportunity to get a head coaching job in the league. So that's the kind of guy that I would be looking for. If I were the Packers, um, we will see what that ends up looking like. Um, or, you know, maybe it's kind of uh, the other end of the spectrum, uh, kind of like back in, in uh, uh, the early days uh, uh, of uh, Dom Capers coming in to replace, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to block him out of my memory right now. Um, was it Bob Sanders? Bob that- Sanders, it yeah. was. Um, but Dom Capers, a former head coach, that very highly respected defensive mind, uh, but was not someone that was really looking to get another head coaching job mm-hmm. necessarily. And I know folks... Uh, towards the end got a little bit down on Dom, but listen, he fielded some really good defenses. And frankly, uh, that was the catalyst to Packers winning the Super Bowl in 2011, uh, 2010, 2011. So, um, it, it, it could go either way, either mold, but I think the Packers are probably, I'd be surprised, Dane, and I'd hear, like to hear what your thoughts are if the Packers don't attract a stronger candidate pool this time around than they did last time. I think they have to. And I, I think that it's a really good point uh, that, you know, even three years ago when the Packers went through this, there were a lot of unknowns with, with, and, and I, I've got to think that in league circles, people knew some of the Rogers stuff was going on um, before even some of us might have known, even as like, you know, read in Packer fans and, and, and doing some of this. So, um, you know, that can make people a little bit squeamish. Um, but I think right now you're spot on. There is a stability uh, in Green Bay and the future does look bright. And it doesn't hurt when you have so many young weapons on the offensive side and and a, and a front office that has proven time and again a willingness to you utilize draft capital on the defensive side of the ball. So, right, it's not just, oh, the offense is good and, you know, good luck. It's also the offense is good. They're ascending. There's a stable franchise. Uh, they don't have a meddling owner. And, oh, and the Packers and Goody and the front office have an MO of investing heavily in defensive talent. That seems pretty appealing. Um, so, so, and you mentioned kind of the two tracks that they could go. Um, I, I'll tell you what, right off the top of my head, I would really like to see somebody. Um, I, I, I don't. I don't need it to be somebody that has a long defensive coordinator resume. That's something that's not necessarily a precursor for me or a prerequisite for me. I'd be completely fine with somebody that's taking that next step from position coach or a passing game coordinator and becoming uh, a defensive coordinator because you know you can you can att- uh, attract kind of that next talent. And I feel like Lafleur and his mo at times is kind of a younger coach in this league is that could be appealing for another young guy to come in here and really just run a defense. Um, but I could go either way. Do you have a preference wags? Um, Cause you mentioned the two tracks that they could go. Do you have a preference? Um, and, and, and I'm not even thinking names right now. I'm just thinking yeah. right philosophy. 
Uh, honestly, I do. Okay. I, I, I'm really kind of hoping they go with the guy that's known as a high quality defensive coordinator. I honestly could care less if it's if it's a guy that maybe has some head coach experience and wasn't the strongest head coach, but is a really strong defensive coordinator. Uh, maybe someone in the mold of, if you look at like uh, uh, Steve Spagnola uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, or even a Jim Schwartz, uh, what he's done with the Cleveland Browns, um, guys that are highly regarded as coordinators and maybe folks hear like names and I'm not saying those guys are going to be interested in the Packers. They've got their jobs right now. Right. But I I'm talking about in that type of mold um, and maybe Packer fans uh, hear some names of guys in that mold and some might get excited and some just are like, no way thinking about what they did as, as, as head coaches, perhaps maybe they had okay head coaching careers if they, if they did. Um, so I don't need retreads. Don't get me wrong, but I, I, I think there are some quality guys out there um, that can, can really set the culture. I like what we saw from David uh, in our Facebook chat. Um, and let's let's bring that into the um, great comment. Uh, that comment in here. David says we need a defensive culture established desperately, not just a play caller, more grit, more toughness. And and David, I think that's right on uh, because you know you can bring in that next hotshot guy, and maybe it's energy, all of that, and that's that sounds great on paper. Maybe they're even a, an effective defensive coordinator. Um, maybe they and frankly. If they do well enough to earn a head coaching job, I think we're all going to probably be pretty happy with that defense. Um, so I'm not arguing with that track. Um, but in some ways, and I'm not saying that we just need to make the safe hire. Uh, so I don't, I don't want this to be misconstrued, but in some ways, I do think that we need a proven commodity. And that's what I'm really looking for is someone that can establish that culture and for however long that is. And then maybe they're going to step aside or they're going to go do something else. Uh, but if we've got other up and coming staff that are in some of the, you know, the um, um, position uh, coach uh, slots that can learn from someone that's well-established and really, I think, elevate the entire defensive staff. That's what I think could really be a benefit to the Green Bay Packers. Um, unfortunately, we just haven't had a head man looking at uh, Patton or Barry that I think has uh, really done a lot to elevate the talent on the defensive staff. And so I, that's an underrated thing uh, to think about is how are they developing their position coaches and elevating them so that they're going in and in turn uh, getting the best out of, of, of the players that they're coaching and the position groups that they're responsible for. Um, so it's a top down thing. And, and I, you know, I I'm fine again, going either way, but I would lean Dane more to the experienced guy that's a proven commodity and, and can set that culture for what the defense is and, and what the expectations are uh, to go out and, and professionally have a game plan, uh, you know, attack the weaknesses of the offensive uh, uh, that you're facing and have an ability to adjust week to week and in game to what those offenses are trying to do. So um, I, <laughs> I, Dane, I'm curious though, what, what do you have a preference or is there a way you're leaning or I will find out certainly as we hear who some of the candidates are that are getting interviewed, um, kind of where the Packers are going. Even if 
there's multiple guys that get interviewed, uh, they'll probably have kind of a, a, a profile uh, that, mm-hmm. that they're looking at. Um, so I'm interested to hear what, what your preferences are as well. I mean, you, you, you're selling me uh, on, on kind of a more veteran presence uh, because that allows Matt LaFleur to really focus on the offensive side, right? He's not, he's not also kind of mentoring uh, for a lack of a better term, uh, uh, you know, a lesser experienced guy. I could go either way. I'm, I, this is new territory a little bit, right? I get my head around it still. And, and, and I, I won't lie. I don't have knowledge base of, all the defensive coaches out there that so, so, but, but from a philosophy standpoint, you're selling me on the more veteran guy. Um, but with the caveat of it can't be another Joe Barry esque guy. Right. And, and I think I'm stating the obvious there, but it can't be a guy who, Oh, he's been a coordinator before. So we need somebody who's been a coordinator. Like that's not what I want. It needs to be somebody that's like, Oh, this guy's like you said, Maybe he made it to the next level and became a head coach, like a Wade Phillips style guy. I'm not saying Wade Phillips, but right. Somebody who great, great success as a defense coordinator, less success as a, as a head coach, but from a defensive mind, when he was in his prime, he was just lights out. So, um, you know, you're, you're winning me over having somebody like that, that can get creative on the defensive side, more veteran presence, especially with the, the defense being, slightly more um, seasoned than the offensive side. It might make sense to have somebody in that role uh, that, you know, can, can have that relationship with some of the veteran players. Yeah. And then frankly, let's not kid ourselves. This defense needs someone that walks into the locker room and has their instant respect. And I'm not saying Um, that a defensive coordinator can't come in and earn that respect, but I just got to say that, this is still a, a, a mostly pretty young defense. There are uh, probably more veteran players on the defense side of the ball than we have offense uh, at this point with the turnover we had on the offensive side this past year. But I, you know, I, I think we just need a strong voice that can come in and, and instantly the players can buy in um, because I'm not sure we've had a ton of of full buy-in. I think a lot of players like Joe Barry, but even the players that like Joe Barry, I'm not sure they were fully bought into to what he was cooking up from a scheme standpoint. Um, so I, I don't necessarily need the players to like my defensive coordinator. I, I, we don't need a guy that's going to be a complete jackass. But at the same time, um, I, I, I need a, uh, the players to respect what the defense coordinators put in together um, from a scheme and, and game plan perspective. I'm not sure we've had that um, even before okay. Joe Barry. So, um, so that, it's been that a while, Wags. Yeah, it really has. So yeah. I, I think that is important. And um, you know, you don't win, win the Super Bowl by winning the off season. I understand that, but um, it's, it's, it's not just to appease the players and the fans, but certainly I, I, I am, cautiously optimistic even though we haven't uh, clearly gotten far enough into uh, knowing who's out there that Packers are are targeting to interview but I'm cautiously optimistic that they can get a really quality candidate in this cycle yeah I mean it's incredible to say and I I don't think we're saying it just because we're we're doing this uh, Packer podcast but Wags I mean the expectation Super Bowl next year all of a sudden Right. And it's incredible to say that, but it's true. I'm saying that it's January 25th, 2024. And I'm saying I'm putting our name on it, I think. 
Uh, that's the expectation. Anything else is going to be a disappointment. Um, there, there was no rebuild in Green Bay. It truly was a retool. Uh, but, and, you know, going into this offseason, it's a retool of the defense and it's, it's finding that coordinator. One, one last thing I wanted to ask you, um, do you have any preference to scheme? And what I mean by that is three, four, four, three. Uh, or, or some mix of there. Um, you know, the Packers traditionally, folks, obviously have been doing the 3-4 defense, but a lot of nickel has been in there as well uh, out of that kind of base. So um, you know, they could go either way. But, Wags, does does that matter to you? Because, you know, that's just – I know we're getting a little more nuanced with that, but it, it still matters, right? Because that, that could, could change personnel pretty significantly. Yeah, and I don't know how much flexibility they have. Uh, to be honest with right. you, to to make that personnel changes that might be necessary to to really change that. Um, that being said, what I would like them to do is not be locked into candidates that run a three four. Uh, what I would like them to do is be locked into finding the best defensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, mm-hmm. and if that means that they switch to more of a four three or um, you know. Uh, uh, whatever base formation you want to uh, call is there's, there's lots of variations uh, um, that, that you can be looking at, but I, I want the best defensive coordinator. I think they have gotten a little locked in in the last two rounds when they hired Barry and uh, frankly, when they hired Patton into finding a defensive coordinator that could run the three, four. And uh, so if they do that, wonderful. Uh, but if the best defensive coordinator and the best candidate is someone that does not necessarily traditionally run a three, four, uh, I want them to hire that guy. Uh, now, um, there's so many ways to be multiple that I'm not going to get overly, um, worried about, Oh, this guy runs a four, three, this guy runs a three, four. Um, the, the truth of the matter is, is coach Barry finally made adjustments to having Five. I mean, they're really more running a five-two in some of the those games, the last couple of games of the year, and uh, so yeah, it's technically a, a three-four, but you can change week to week where you have guys lined up in, in a lot of the different formations that the offense is going to try to throw at you, uh, and that's more important to me than getting locked into well our base set is a three-four, our base set is a four-three, mm-hmm. um, or you know, we need to have, um, you know, um, a nickel base set or whatever you want to have out there. Um, I just want the best 11 guys out there. I, I, I'm not afraid to plug and play. If we, we've got an extra D lineman, we've got an extra DB, uh, we've got an extra linebacker, whatever it requires, uh, in order to put ourselves in the best position to win. So, um, that's a long answer to a not that difficult question, Dane. Uh, but to me, just find the best guy that knows how to yeah. make those adjustments, scheme it up week to week. I, I, I feel like I'm talking about Coach Belichick, which is kind of more of a joke on mm-hmm. uh, on social media. It's not happening. I realize that. Happening. That's stupid. But, like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but, uh, but, but in some ways, it's true, though. I mean, I, I don't want to get locked into this is what we have to run because – that's what the Packers do. Um, mm-hmm. I just want the guy that's going to come in and, and have the highest likelihood of success, even if they do have to make some adjustions or retool things a little bit in order to make that work. 
Yeah, I, we're we're in complete alignment with that. I, I don't want to cut half the coordinators out just because, oh, this guy doesn't run a, a 3-4. I think that'd be ludicrous when we're talking about a defense that is looking to replace the guy, right? Like, so obviously it's not working to begin with if we're making this hire. Um, so we're in complete alignment there. Um, anything else on the defense? We're going to be talking more defense coordinator in our future podcast too, especially I think as, as you know, the, the, yeah, we, we sort of resisted uh, putting names out there. We, you know, I uh, see some, some names popping it up in the chat. Uh, Mike Rabel, Jim Leonard. So, I mean, guys that are, are certainly, uh, out there and available. Um, I, 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 the thing is, is, you know, uh, we may as well wait, uh, to see who they interview do a little homework on them and then let the speculation begin from there. They're just way too many potential guys that are out there to try to just, it would be like trying to throw a, a, a darts at, at a wall at this point. So um, Dan, let's get into some of the other news. Uh, yeah. Not as major, certainly. Um, but finally the Packers bring signed another kicker yeah. uh, to ostensibly at least, for the off season, uh, get a little bit of work and potentially bring in some competition for Anders Carlson. Now, I don't know if he's going to be the only kicker that they sign or if they draft another kicker or if they sign a veteran, uh, uh, kicker, but it's something. Um, and yeah. so that doesn't mean a change has been made a kicker. It's not like the Joe Barry news where, uh, Joe Barry is no longer with the Packers. Anders Carlson is, is still on the Packers. Um, but it does beg the question. I, I have to be honest. And, and while great, they, they, they did this and it, it may be a little surprising on the timing of this one, to be honest with you, uh, more so than de- the defensive coordinator decision. Why, why did they have to wait until after the season was over? We were calling for competition from day one, all off season last year, uh, even before any word of Anders potential struggles were happening. Um, that was, very evident early in camp. Uh, we are sitting there wondering the entire time we were on the record. Why isn't there another kicker in camp to compete for this job? Every other position guys have to earn the job, compete for the job. And for some reason, Anders Carlson as a rookie was just handed this job, despite not necessarily performing well at any point, and not performing well in the preseason, during the season, late in the season, and then, frankly, missing the biggest kick of the season at the worst possible time uh, in the final game. And at no point, it wasn't even just the idea that they were unwilling to make the change. We we know he's got a big leg, um, but there was never a, a stretch where we said, gosh, Anders Carlson is just doing an amazing job. He in I don't want to kill the guy. He might still have a bright future ahead of him, but I just don't understand the the total resistance that the organization had to even considering uh, responding to the idea of bringing in a, another kicker uh, to take a look and and potentially uh, give some competition at that position. So, Dane. I don't know what this means for what they're doing at the kicking position moving forward. I don't know what this means. If, if perhaps coach Passaccia is going to be looking for other opportunities. I don't right. think they're going to dismiss him, but maybe uh, it's sort of a mutual. So I wouldn't, I, that's pure speculation on my part, but the fact that that decision 
got made after the season tells me that it wouldn't be a shock to me if if Coach Basaccia, uh, it wasn't the strongest special teams unit right. this year either. If it's kind of a, you know, a respectful parting of ways and we hear in the next week or two that he's gone uh, to another organization to coach their special teams. Uh, and it's not a firing, but it's more of a, a, a lateral move on his part. I don't know what his contract situation is or how the Packers would be able to let him out of that if that's actually uh, a reality. But um, the fact of the matter is, is that um, they have been so reluctant to make changes and and in particular special teams the last few years I uh, with underperformance. Um, so from that perspective, I just didn't understand um, even though it kind of appeases the masses, I just didn't understand the timing of this one and what took them so long to do that. It's a, gr- it's a great point to bring up. I've got, I've got a lot of thoughts actually on this uh, topic and, and, I, I, and I'm going to start with this. I put all blame like 95% of blame on Rich Bisaccia that, uh, on this entire situation. So I'm going to start right there. Um, he, he, not only special teams, um, uh, coordinator, he's also the assistant head coach. They gave him more power, uh, right. Not only in title, but he very clearly has his fingerprints uh, on a number of position groups on this roster. Uh, we carried extra safeties for special teams. Um, and, and then, um, obviously the kicker situation, um, I I can't completely drag Masaccia because, you know, Anders still needs to go out and kick field goals, right? He's a professional kicker. But I'll tell you what, Wags. Anders Carlson was put in an in incredibly difficult position, and, and that's because he kept missing field goals, and they kept trotting him out there. And he, he kept going out there to do it. Right. And because that's his job to do it. But the reality is because what what is what does honors do? He either quits on the team, which is not realistic, or he goes out there and keeps trying keeps trying to make field goals. At a certain point, the coaching staff needs to make an adjustment, right? And I think that we all saw it. Um it, it was a willful ignorance it willful ignorance by Bisaccia leading up to the 49ers game. He was asked at the podium about the kicking situation and about Anders Carlson. He said, I'm not here to talk about that. Let's talk about San Francisco. Let's talk about San Francisco. We saw what happened in San Francisco. So um, very frustrated by that entire situation. I don't have a lot of trust in, in, in Coach Subsaccia. Quite frankly, I know he's a likable guy. People, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm not happy with him. Um, so that's number one. Number two, Wags, the timing, which is even, I couldn't agree more about yeah, you know, preseason and even during the season, you know, having somebody else in there. Here's a very, very frustrating thing. Um, so, so Jack, Jack Podlesny is is the uh, the kicker's name that's come into Green Bay. He actually has about ten percent better kick rate in college uh, than Anders Carlson did, and and he's somebody that was in Minnesota and didn't actually play all year this year. Uh, but you know, he, he he had a lot of success in the SEC. Um, here's my frustration. The Packers actually worked him out along with our pal Parker White, former kicker of the Packers, in September of this year. And then they let him sit on ice all year, even though they had plenty of space, I, in my opinion, on practice squad, other ways to stash a guy. Um, and then, you know, Anders clearly has struggles, significant struggles throughout. And then he misses a critical kick, of course, in the playoff game. I have no understanding or no idea why it took so long, especially with, with um, Jack being, you know, a free agent 
all year and clearly on the Packers radar. It's not like he was sitting on somebody else's practice squad or roster where we had to wait for him to become available. He was available all year. The Packers tried him out. They clearly liked him enough that they're bringing him in now. Um, so all of that's to say, I don't have any understanding. It feels like he was completely mishandled and, and, um, and yeah, you know, is it tough for the kicker and for Anders to, to have more competition? Yeah. But as you said, everybody else had competition in camp. Um, I'm not looking to treat Anders differently. I'm actually looking to treat him just like everybody else on the roster. You got to earn your job. And unfortunately for him, he had struggles in the coaching staff. Um, kept trotting him out there and he's getting a lot of the flack and yeah, we want him to make the kicks. But I think it was clear going into that game and going into the playoffs that we weren't very, very, um, I didn't trust Anders going into the playoffs. Right. And, and, you know, unfortunately I don't, I don't want to be right on this one. And I, you know, and I think that a lot of fans were right on this one. Um, So we want Anders to do well, right. I want him to come out of this better. Um, so I'm not willing to write Anders off, but I'm extremely happy that Jack is in camp now going forward as well, because I think the Packers need to have two legs all the way through August, no matter who they are, and made the best man win. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think it's, um, you know, it's it's an interesting thought bubble. And, and I maybe I'm totally off base on, on Bisaccius and I'm I'm not totally surprised to hear you say that you're frustrated with them because I think you've either outright or um, kind of in, in quietly expressed your frustration with Coach Bisaccia. And and I, I do wonder, too, another factor, you mentioned his his influence on, on how this roster was built the last couple of years that he's been with the Packers. And I expressed my frustration that the Packers kept Alan Lovett. Yeah. Um, this season, uh, initially on the 53 man roster. I know he ended up getting cut, I think, in uh, the November, mid to late November range. But this was a guy that clearly was never going to be someone that they were going to trust to go out and play safety uh, on defense. And frankly, uh, I thought that we had some gunners and some other uh, special teamers that could do the same job he could or had more speed or, or potentially better. Uh, but Coach Passaccia, uh, that was his guy. And so it was interesting to me that that decision was made when we had going into the season of safety group that was in real flux. And I wanted the guys as many of the best defensive safeties as possible. And listen, We've had our struggles with special teams over the years, so it's kind of a, a catch-22. Uh, but I didn't think any of the guys that they let go at safety would have been a problem on special teams. In fact, most of those guys were known as really good special teamers as well. Um, so I was extremely frustrated that that decision was made. And then uh, after Levitt gets released, you do have to wonder if now there is a little bit of a disconnect organizationally and they're taking a step back and saying, maybe we gave too much trust for Coach Basasia. Uh, he came in and, and special teams was such a disaster. Uh, you know, certainly things improved in some regards, but uh, when you get right down to it at the end of the day, um, in, in his tenure here and, and this past season is another uh, example it hasn't uh, by any means uh, been a top half of the league special teams unit. Right. So why are we giving this guy so much influence and uh, why are we sticking to 
uh, his principles uh, when it's clearly having a negative impact to the execution and, and what's actually happening from a production standpoint out on the field. Um, so that's where I'm kind of looking at it. So that may mean nothing as far as how Basaccia's status is in Green Bay or, or where, how he feels about uh, being in Green Bay. I'm completely reading into that. So that's, that's uh, I acknowledge that. But uh, sometimes you do have to look uh, a little bit at um, uh, the proof in the pudding and seeing how so seeing what actually is happening and what's actually happening is is organizationally and the front office at least is signaling that they're going to shift some things uh, from special teams and my guess is is that's going to mean some more changes on special teams as well. Yeah, it, 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 I, I, yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, we can be special teams nerds on this pod sometimes. <laughs> and we, we're fortunate we get, we get the guys on the pod too, right? So we get to get in the nitty gritty, uh, on special teams. But, uh, one other thing, uh, just to highlight Rick Gosselin, he does a annual special teams review every year. He's just really well renowned in the NFL and in the industry. Um, he had the Packers were dead last. Uh, a couple of years ago, special teams. Basaccia came in last year um, in 2022, and I think they were ranked 22nd. They fell to 29 this season. So, I mean, even 22 ain't great, but, you know, you, you want to, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, in a day right? So you kind of give them that leeway, but now for them to fall back into that, and I get it, it's one guy's rankings, but um, he's somebody that is well-respected. That is talent, Wags. And not only our own eyes saw it constantly, uh, that they just wasn't clean on teams, but also, uh, you know, the proof is in the numbers as well. It just, it wasn't successful this year. Yeah. And I, I, I'd have to see how those rankings are weighted. I mean, certainly missed extra points and field goals can, can probably skew that <laughs> a lot. So I'm not saying that you just ignore that data point and then what are the rankings, but I would be curious because that, makes a big impact our coverage units were mostly pretty good um but uh strategically they weren't trying to kick it out of the end zone maybe as much as other teams were um so does that affect the rankings if if the teams are getting more returns and return yards but they're still tackling them at you know between the the 22 and and maybe 27 yard line it it may all average out the same in the end Dane. but uh, i guess i'd have to nerd out as you said and and do some deep dive into those analytics to determine if if uh, there's any outliers there or if that's a really accurate reflection of what the Packers had but positive uh, side though Dan, Danny Whalen was really good at punter for real like he was yeah. good so we got that yeah um absolutely so all right well Dane last item and I don't think we need to spend quite as much time on this one but um Again, not as significant as, as certainly those, the defensive coordinator and maybe to the lesser extent, uh, the signing of another kicker. But, um, Packers move on from strength and conditioning coordinator, uh, former Packer, Chris Gizzy. And, um, frankly, I can't say I'm surprised by this too. I, well, let me just backtrack. I'm surprised the Packers as an organization actually did this. Um, I'm not surprised in the fact that if you look at the number of, injuries that the Packers have had over the last few years. Um, something needed to happen here too. And Coach LaFour said this all the way back in I think September, early October. Um, he was asked about Christian Watson. 
specifically um, with with the hamstring injuries that he's had in his young career. And he came straight out and said, that's something that we're definitely be looking at in the off season. Well, it's the off season now, and it they wasted no time uh, uh, making a change in strength and conditioning program. And it's not like I have any special insight into the qualifications <laughs> or the job that Chris Gizzy did as a strength and conditioning coordinator, but there was a problem there. And so again, uh, I applaud uh, Lafleur and the organization for saying we're not going to just stand pat um and and i think packers uh, realize that they are now in a super bowl window so let's sharpen the edges a little bit clean up the corners and let's not just let things lax and hope that things get better um we're going to be proactive and we're going to make a move and we're going to try and address this uh it doesn't guarantee results but Clearly something needed to be done. And so I, again, nothing against Chris Gizzy, have no special insight, but the results were a ton of soft tissue injuries. And to me, that's very preventable. And so you have to look at the the number one thing you're going to be looking at is strength and conditioning program. What's going on there? Uh, perhaps we need to invest in that a little bit more heavily. Um, the fact the Packers have to send uh, uh, Watson and <clears throat> Eric Stokes to the University of Wisconsin, uh, a specialist there that got some funding on this. That's wonderful. Great to hear. I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we've got an invite uh, out to him uh, to come on the podcast. But um, at the same time, let's get someone that has that forward uh, thinking and ability from a, a high level research perspective and bring them into the building uh, and have that person be running your strength conditioning program. Maybe they need to invest more in additional staff uh, on that program as well. Um, everything I think they should be looking at, not a stone unturned. And so uh, from that perspective, I, I'm, I'm pleased that the Packers were proactive there and uh, are looking to change things up from that perspective as well. Yeah, and I have no further insight at all on the strength and conditioning. Um, look at these guns, folks. There's no way I have any understanding on that. Um, but um, but you said something, Wags, now a number of months ago that I, I really thought was was good. I want to repeat what you said. You know, maybe not verbatim, but um, roughly speaking, you know. This is a young team dealing with these injuries and these like lengthy injuries. And shouldn't 23 year olds be able to bounce back quicker? <laughs> and I, and you know, and then forgive me if I'm getting it a little off, but I mean, you're spot on with that. And, and it just, everything about this has seemed just like slightly odd um, over the last couple of years. I mean, I, I almost like want to call it like the pack, the packer leg, like pulled in the hamstrings are like the packer leg at this point, because it just, it happens. It's such a regular beat. Um, so I'm just, I don't know what the answers are going to be. Uh, maybe the, the Packers don't entirely know right now either. But uh, to your point, it signals that they're looking to get better. And I love that about this organization. And and, and in a silo, it's one thing. But when we add it with the, the kicker news and with the defensive coordinator news, the Packers are not standing pat. And that's just really cool. Um, other thing I've got to highlight is we have the best comment so far of 2024 in the chat right now as it pertains to strength and conditioning. Um, D David uh, Henderson, what's up, David, says, um, our strength and conditioning coaches 
um, or a sock, uh, but then he says, our guys could get injured combing Wags's beard. Um, so, so those that are listening on the podcast, you're going to have to check out the video on YouTube because Wags's beard is in classic form right now. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I, I may have put a little product on it before coming on air tonight. Just, uh, wanna, wanna look my best, Dane. What can I say? Um, Lafleur have the, have the good grooming going on. <laughs> well, you know, um, I, I, I just, I, I'm not someone that, that is, uh, particularly, and I, I'm embarrassed now, but I'm not someone that's uh, usually particularly meticulous about that, but, uh, but I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I'm working hard on it. Um, David, I, I see your other comment. I, frankly, I don't think I can grow my beard out. Even if the Packers go to the Super Bowl next year, that's a long time. And I'm a hairy man. This beard would grow very, very long, uh, in a, a little over a year. So I'm not sure I can get away with that. I, I'll do my best and, uh, continue to, to rock a look and do my part as a, a superstitious Packer fan, but, uh, but man, that's a long time. So I, I can't make any promises on that one. <laughs> oh man. It's, it's good. We're, we're in off season form. I can feel it already. Wags. Um, no, this is, this is good. This is like therapy for us, I think. And for all of us that are joining in here, is there anything else Wags you want to touch on? Because I mean, um, folks going forward in the off season, um, for those that are new to the podcast, um, you know, we're going to be talking a bunch of year in review stuff. I think we're going to be talking about um, players, you know, surprises, good things, you know, who stood out, who didn't in future podcasts. Um, we always do some stuff around the draft. We do position by position breakdown, post draft. Um, we love getting special guests on. We've been fortunate to have a ton of um, current and former players on the pod. We're going to be hard at work yeah, bringing on really good content there. So, um, you know, the off season is off season in air quotes on Lombardi's Legends podcast because we stay after it. We might not be quite as frequently, um, but we get after it a ton all off season long. Um, but Wags, um, I don't want to cut off any thoughts you have, um, you know, before we start to wrap this pod up tonight. Yeah, no, I think that's a, a good thing. Let's wrap it up. Dan, I, the only thing I'd say just to add to that, um, just Follow us on our socials. We'll try to definitely be proactive and let you know when we've got a podcast coming out. It may not, as Dane said, be on a regular Monday or Thursday night cadence like we have tried to do throughout the season. Um, especially when we can get guys on, we're going to try to adjust to their schedule and, and make it happen. Uh, cause that's so fun. And I don't, I don't know, uh, uh, a lot of you that have been listening, uh, we appreciate you first of all, but really enjoy some of those, uh, 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 off-season interviews. Those are just human interest to me as much as it is talking football. So, um, so hopefully I, I will have some, some good ones for you. Um, and it might be soon. Uh, it might be a little bit further down the road, but stay tuned. Uh, Dane, uh, shout out our, our socials so folks know where to find us if they are just yeah. discovering us here. But, um, uh, in any event, uh, we'll have a lot more coming as Dane said in the coming months. Yeah, I mean, it, we're on Insta, we're on Facebook, we're on X, we're on YouTube. Um, we 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 have secured a TikTok. We haven't started it yet, but it's off season. We might start to throw some videos up too. We're going to do everything we can to engage with you all. We're going into what, Wags? This is going to be 
off season year five. We've been doing this for a minute now um, and we're just continuing to grow. And I think we're getting better and better and we're getting better and better because you all let us get better and better. So we're just really grateful to be able to do this, um, you know, off season long. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So um, folks, thanks so much for joining here this evening or if you're listening later, appreciate you listening as always be legendary and go pack. Go, pack, go. Every year I know we're gonna go hard. We've been that team ever since Bart Starr. All my cheese heads go pack go. Ain't show with no mercy, cutting no slack, no. I ain't a bad sport and I'll leave it with your good luck. Only thing I will say.